What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Friday edition of Texans All Access, our last All Access episode or edition in the year 2022. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Oh, there's always something about the finality of, of things, and this is our final All Access of 2022. And hopefully it gets better in 2023, and we'll have that next week as we get ready for the finale. But we have business to take care of right here at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. A hot team winning five of the last seven. The leader by, I think, a half game in the AFC South. They are seven and eight right now. The Titans lost on Thursday night, so the Titans are seven and nine. So, yeah, a lot on the line for Jacksonville next week, but not so much this week. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the Jaguars handle this on Sunday. But in all honesty, it's about our guys. It's about the Texans playing well for another week in a row since Cleveland. Now, Cleveland offensively didn't play very well. But defensively, they played very well. So, with the defense playing well against Cleveland, then both sides got it together for Dallas, for Kansas City, for Tennessee. It's time to stay on that streak and finish this thing strong with two wins. And I know all that, all the noise that's out there about what it means. I, I get it. I understand. But we've kind of been through hell this year, and I want to finish this year strong. And young players showing what they can do getting ready for 2023. So let's get it done. Let's do it. Now, we got a lot to do on the show this evening. We are going to have our football festivist. Now, I don't know if Mark and I have ever done this before. I'm trying to think. We probably have at some point. But it's that time of year, right? It's the holiday season. But if you're a big fan of Seinfeld, you know that Frank Costanza loved him some Festivus, the airing of the grievances. So we're going to have a football Festivus. Mark and I are going to air our football grievances. And we got a lot of them. It's going to be interesting. You'll definitely take a listen in our next segment. So we got that. Uh, we're going to hear from John Grenard. He's going to play a little Jenga and do a little Drew's Dozen with, well, you know, Drew Doherty. We got that. We are going to have a little Texans audio jukebox because our man Drew Doherty went in the locker room and got some cutlets and bites one-on-one uh, -on -one with some key players playing on Sunday. So we'll have a little bit of that. We'll hear from Nick Casario, get his scouting report on the Jaguars. Then we'll have Drew Doherty's final word with the aforementioned John Grenard. But in this segment, we'll hear from John Grenard. But first, we're going to kick it off like we always do with Lovey Smith, who sat down with Mark to preview this one against Jacksonville at home on Sunday. Coach, it's been an interesting week. You won in Tennessee on Christmas Eve. That was a Saturday. You gave the guys a few days off. How has preparation been for this Jacksonville game? A little bit of a different week. Well, the guys are fresher. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark, I'm, I'm going to say that. So, But we get back on our routine. You're right. We took a, had a couple of extra days, and that worked out right with Christmas and everything. But practice has gone well this week. At the end, we end up going through our regular it's pushed back our game week routine. And, again, guys are, are healthier, they're re refreshed, and we're playing another division opponent, so that has to get you excited. Is there such thing as momentum? The way you executed down the stretch in Nashville, particularly on offense, can you carry that over? Does that positive effect carry over into the next week? I absolutely believe that you can get momentum. And, and to me, it's based on doing something right. Yes, how you finish, what we had to do to win that football game. To, to see that you can do it, you know, mm -hmm. especially in, uh, with what has happened to us lately where we've been close and haven't been able to get over the hump. Yeah, I know the guys are confident right now, and we want to you know, even put forth a better effort than last week. 
How is Jacksonville different from when you faced them? Same guys, but they've won five out of seven. What is going right for them right now that you have to deal with? I think if you keep practicing, you keep playing and working hard, coming to work with the right, in the right frame of mind, you, uh, you stop making some of the mistakes. And mm-hmm. both of us are young teams. Young teams make mistakes, you get better. Again, as you keep going along, I think it's as simple as that. You can look at some positions, too. I mean, early on, I know they've eliminate, eliminated a lot of, uh, of the turnovers, and that's one of the you know, quickest things that will get you beat. Like, we've eliminated mm-hmm. a lot, too, so time kind of does that. Have they evolved offensively a bit with Travis Etienne? It seems like they have a more of an identity now, what they want to do on that side of the football. I, I thought they had it. They were getting to that early on, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they you know traded one of their other running backs, and I think they've liked him all along. I know he's playing a lot better football. Uh, and But they want to run the football, mm-hmm. but still they're, they're you know, leaning heavily towards passing, of course, with their skill at the wide receiver position. And, of course, their quarterback's playing outstanding ball. And I know you want to run the football. How tough is it to run against their front with Royce and Dari and however yeah. you're going to handle it? Well, we have to be able to. You're right. We want to run the football also. And, and their defensive line, their de- front seven really plays a run well. But that's something we'll have to deal with. It was a tough game, low-scoring game last time. I expect there will be a few more fireworks this week. Coach, one more time to do it in front of the home fans. I know this is very important to you. It's Fan Absolutely. Appreciation Day at NRG Stadium. Yes, I mean, it is important. I mean, we talk about momentum and playing our best ball. Uh, we have been playing better ball lately, and we want to we wanna put that on display for our fans. So we're, we're aware of it. It's Fan Appreciation Day, and uh, we definitely plan, up, plan on, of course, showing up and, and definitely showing out. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. Now, if Lovey and his staff want to go get this win against Jacksonville, they will need another performance like they got on Saturday from defensive lineman John Grenard. He has been doing more and more. I mean, getting back in the game was just – it was good to have him. I mean, you realize, man, we've missed John Grenard being out on this field. And I think he had the fumble recovery. He had the TFL on Derrick Henry. Just his presence has really mattered to this defense. So, let's play a little Jenga – and do a Drew's Dozen with John Renard and the master of ceremonies himself, Drew Doherty. Drew, take it away. Straight out of Georgia, he played his college ball at Louisville, at Florida, led the SEC in sacks, and he's shot out of a cannon last Sunday against Derrick Henry. It's good to have Jonathan Grenard back on the field. It's even greater to have him here playing some Jenga. Are you ready to rock? Oh, yeah. Come on. Now, Anything. only one Texan has lost to me this Boy. year. Okay. So you don't want to fall into that company, do you? All right, no. Nah, I don't even want to know who it is. So I won't I tell you. You're you're going to pull first. Okay. Every time you pull, you'll read the question and answer the question yourself. Oh. Oh. Every time I pull, I'll ask you the question. You'll answer it. So oh. it's all Sounds about good. you. We want to find out about you. Let's rock. All right. Can't pull from the top three. Right. And you can only use one hand. All right. Who is your celebrity lookalike? A lot of people probably already know. A lot of people say I look like Bradley Beal, but I guess I'll take it. But I mean, hey. But I look like John Grenard to me, man. Oh, what would your superpower be if oh, you had man. one? I think it would be just make me oh man invincible literally invincible, okay. yeah i mean i just can't be dis- i can't be destroyed at all can't be destroyed Not at all invincibility where are we going next how much do you how often do you play jenga i don't play often however if we do have some friends over you know family night type deal we love to yeah so, anytime we can talk trash it's in the rotation like yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah exactly oh what other games you like playing with the family and the friends uno i'm a big uno guy oh, okay I love, uh, somehow i always win at uno and okay. people are jealous you know and it's understandable 
which teammate could play on the other side of the ball? Me. I, I think I could play receiver, you know, a little tight end, a little bit, catch a couple touchdowns a little bit. Yeah, because I, I feel like I'm just, I, I did it before, so I think I could do it again. I feel like we're standing in the locker room because you were just <laughs> talking about this the other yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. And I can't remember the other player who did this, but a few weeks back, somebody named you as well when yeah, they answered that. So, so there you go. Maybe we'll get a package going for you, the <laughs> Grenard package, and okay. have you catching some, because there's been a defensive end around here that's done that before yes, and did it very has. well. He just retired. Uh, what's your most used emoji? Jonathan. Oh, easily the crying laughing emoji. <laughs> easily. Like, I mean, I think I laugh. You have, you have to laugh every day. And the amount of the friends I have, my teammates here, like, it's just no such thing as, like, a down day. So, like, no matter we're in a group message or just in general, like, I feel like that emoji is always just describes us and describes me. So, um, I'm always laughing. Is there, anybody, is there anybody in particular that makes you laugh more than the others? Oh, man. Our whole defensive line room is just... Uh, it's so hard to put one person because it's each day. Each day somebody can right. just say a little one-hitter, and we're all just dying. So I think just in totality, our whole D-line room is definitely funniest. But I think, me again, I think I'm the funniest. Oh, you're the funniest? Okay. I think I'm the funniest. Okay, fair enough. Got to get it going. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, Jonathan Grenard? I was always, like, smaller coming up, like slimmer in stature. Um, and I play defensive end outside backer now, so it's like... You would look at my frame and be like, oh, it looks like an offensive guy. And I've always been told I wouldn't be able to play a defensive line or a DN because I was too small, too skinny. And my D-line coach in high school pretty much believed me from the jump since I was a 10th grader and told me I can do it anything. I mean, you got the, you have the skill set, the size. I, honestly, just on you after when he teaches me. So when once he believed in me and said that I can achieve the, the unthinkable, then I just took it and ran with it. And that got me here now. So That's awesome. shout out to my coach, Coach What's Albrooks. Appreciate it. Coach what? Coach Halbrooks. Stan Halbrooks. I'm high school. Shout sure. out Coach Brooks. Yes, that was great advice. <clears throat> who has to, who has the cleanest locker on the team? I'm going to say you know, I have the dirtiest, the messiest locker. You're the messiest. You're the messiest? I'm the messiest okay. one so far just because I have, like, a lot of clothes. I want to switch out this and that. But if I had to take a guess, it would probably be Malik Collins, honestly. I can believe that. You know, you see the ball head, the beard. You're just like, okay, this guy looks like he wouldn't keep, keep himself up. He's actually very well kept guy. Very, very cares about his hygiene. So, Check his locker out whenever y'all in there. Fascinating guy so, as well. Very fascinating. Don't want to get in a rumble with that Not guy. Not at all. He can handle his Not business. Not at all. Just won a state championship in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Best concert you've ever been to? Wow. It was probably recently. I, I went to uh, Post Malone and Roddy Rich down here at Toyota Center. Mm. Um, I'm a huge Post Malone fan. I always said I wanted to go um, ever since I first heard a couple of, song, of his songs. And uh, my girlfriend made it happy. She, she surprised me with some tickets and uh, went to go see it. It was That's a good great, girlfriend, man. Great That's concert. a great gift. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's for awesome. Sure. What is your favorite TikTok dance? I actually don't have one. You know what? I mean, I, I'm not on TikTok as much. You got well, one? Uh, mm, I've got too many. But let's say <laughs> you strip sack the ball this Sunday. Okay. You get it in the end zone. Okay. Touchdown, Jonathan Bernard. What's the dance? You got one? I don't. And it's crazy no? because, believe it or not, like, so when I get one of those sacks, it's like, we work so hard to get to one. Yeah. You know, you're in the process of trying to get there. And then when it does happen, you're just like, all right, what do I do? You only got a split second. Yeah. And just whatever I feel. So, okay. So you're just going to go, you're going to go live in the moment. I'll tell you what, I'm going to surprise you. If I, when I, if I get one, I'm going to surprise you. I love, I love surprises. And I love this question. Who, right, has, who has the best hair mm. on the team? Oh, man. Between Malik Collins, Roy Lopez. Okay. I can put Deck in there. Deck, like he got some. Austin Deculus? Yeah. I think he got. And then Thomas Booker, I was, you know, I think Thomas oh, Booker knows. 
that four, that trio. But Malik might be pushing it with number one. I think number one. Okay, yeah, all right. Sure. That's a for good sure. uh, good trio. What's your go-to karaoke song? Because uh, that is a very good one. We've discussed this at length. Yeah, this guy can sing. Yeah, I mean, he actually, was on and in a competition, sure. and you went deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you can belt out the tunes. Yeah, that, that's that's actually a good question. I I would say Adele, probably like someone like you type deal like that, maybe like that. All right, which teammate is the best hype man? It's probably the top between BZ, me. BZ, of course, is. Yeah, Oboe. Uh, Oboe, yeah, Obo. mm-hmm. Christian Kirksey is a good one, too. Okay. Um, gets the juice going. Jerry, too. Jerry Hughes is a good one. Good two captains. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're guys who, it's weird. They, they know how to find it. They're, like, intrinsically, like, they're just yeah. good within themselves to give it to us. You know what I'm saying? You're a high-energy guy. Are you a high fan of sorts I, I, I for kinda, others? I like to do that sometimes. Yeah. If I see, like, okay. it's kind of dead, I think I just try to add a little, I like it. A little spice to it. Cause it's, 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 Defense needs to do that. Needs exactly. To bring, I just want to say, tone, at the end of the day, we got to set the tone. So playing a child's game, you got to figure out to get get that same joy. Who on the team, okay, part, first of all, do you have sisters? I do have a sister. Okay. Older sister. Older I'm the sister. Baby. You're the baby. Mm-hmm. Who on the team would you not let date your sister? You know, I see these questions going around a lot, and <laughs> it's like, I like the way I surround, <laughs> I surround myself with guys, you know, that I feel that, you know, are respectable young men. Okay. Who treat women with respect okay. and all those things. So, uh, but if I say who would I not let date my daughter, I mean, my sister, I would definitely probably have to go Rasheem Green. Rasheem yeah, Green? Yeah, Rasheem Green. Yeah, sorry. He's just, okay. yeah, he's just not going to get my sister. Sorry. All right, defensive line, Rasheem <laughs> Green. She's <laughs> off limits. Off limits, off limits. Fake. Oh! That was my, that was my, me rocking the floor. <laughs> well, hey. But anyways. What's your, what is your favorite nickname? My favorite nickname is probably JG. JG stuck with me pretty much since I got to the league. It's, it's so easy. I mean, nobody wants to say Jonathan Grenard the entire time. So they say JG shorted it up, so. Well, you didn't win this game, but you can't spell Jenga without JG, so. I like that one. I like it too. I like that I one. I like playing Jenga with you. For sure. This has been. Awesome. A Drew's Dozen. Yeah, I love that. Drew's about to say, this has been a Drew's Dozen. And John goes, awesome. Yeah, it is awesome when Drew plays Jenga. And when guys kind of give in to the Drew's Dozen, they're the best. And John Grenard is always going to do that. Now, I mentioned earlier, a football festivus. The airing of the football grievances. It's the inaugural Texans All Access. John and Mark airing of the football grievances next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris, your host, football analyst, silent reporter, joined by Mark Vandermeer. You heard him with Lovey Smith. Mark, there's a famous Seinfeld episode in and around the holidays called Festivus. Yes. The airing of the grievances. Oh, boy. This is our last show of 2022. <laughs> wow. It's our last show of 2022, right? Yeah. So we need to have the Festivus of the football Festivus, the mm-hmm. airing of the football grievances. And it can be a lot of different things. It can be a lot of different grievances. But it's time for the annual 2022 It'll be, I think it's an inaugural. I mean, we may have done this before. It's the inaugural football festivus between John Harris and Mark Vandermeer. Would you like to go first with your airing of the football? No, I want you to go first, but you must have done this with John Pendergast back in the day when you two did a we show might together. Have. Yeah. We, we may have. This seems like it's right up his alley. It probably is. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, him being a Seinfeld um, aficionado. Uh, yeah. So oh, I'm going to start couple. with this. But go ahead. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to start with this. And it, it can be college. It can be NFL. It can be – we talked about this a little bit before the show. 
But the first one that popped into my head is halftime. NFL halftime is absolutely perfect. And college halftime is at least 10 minutes longer. I cannot stand college half. Now, it bailed me out Wednesday night because I had to get from the booth to our deck and back, mm-hmm. and it bailed me out a little bit. However, college halftime is way, way too freaking long. But the bands, Johnny, the oh, bands need the, the time to perform. Band no, but the bands are a big part of it. I know it. they are. I get it. Give them five minutes each. You get five, you get five. And if there's not a second band, hey, you get all ten minutes. You can make it happen. Yeah. We have stuff that goes on. Jackie Maldonado does a great job with our halftime. Yeah. And I for mean, years, you know what? done. For years, NFL halftime within stadiums was just underutilized. I remember going to games in the 80s in New England, and it was just like you were sitting there. Yeah. You know, there was nothing going on. They might have the Frisbee dog on occasion. Right. And that's about it. Up with people, maybe. But colleges and high schools, too. I mean, high schools high need the band longer. Time. Well, because the band is of the large percentage of the crowd yeah. for a lot of high school games. Yeah, I know yeah, Texas yeah. is different in a lot of a areas. Different. But in a lot of parts of the country, the high school band is the crowd. So this and is their my parents. this is my favorite halftime story. So this was back. This is wild, wild back. My quarterback, who I coached, was playing. He was in his fourth or fifth year at FAMU, and they were playing North Carolina A and T, which is in Greensboro. And I'm like, you know what? I haven't had a chance to see him play in college. I'm gonna go see him play. So I went to go see him play. Get to halftime. Nobody moves. I mean, it's HBCU game, so you know the bands are the right. story. NCANT's band is just awesome. So I, game goes on. Albert Chester is his name. Albert has a really good game. And so I go down to the field. I get a chance to talk to him. We're talking about things. And I, I told him that story about halftime. I was like, Albert, I've never been to HBCU game. It's halftime, and nobody moved. He goes, Coach, we had homecoming last week. We were in a locker room for 45 minutes. Ooh. He said, he said they weren't about to change or ask the marching 100 for FAMU to get off the field. They went no. for 45 minutes strong on homecoming. Johnny, University wow. of Miami plays FAMU a lot. And when I was there, the FAMU game was huge because of the band. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know anything about it. You know, I was coming from UMass, which that band was the power and class of New England. And they were known in New yeah. England, but big deal in college football in New England being known Basketball is another story. But anyway, going down to South Florida and seeing the FAMU band for the first time, I was blown away. They were so good. So anyway, all right, that's your grievance. Okay, that's my grievance. halftime too long. College halftime too long. All right, in no particular order, here's one. Goal line cams. We need goal line cameras. We need sideline cameras. We need goal line cameras in the NFL. Every stadium's got to have them wired in. You wired into the truck. You wired into the replay system. That's more important. I mean, that's why I am asking for this. I think it's absolutely ridiculous how Chris Moore, who I thought crossed the plane of the goal line in Dallas. Now, I'm not bitter about that at all. I am. Yeah. But. There was no view of that. And the Texans were in an obvious first and goal. It's not like they were at their own 20 and Moore's running down the field and, oh, my gosh, did he get in or not? We didn't have the camera stationed. Why don't you station a camera at the goal line, at least when you have a goal-to-go situation and right. you have plenty of time to set it up, roll the cart down there, whatever the heck you have to do. But there should be stationary cameras at every NFL stadium, goal line, sideline, and you're not always going to get the perfect shot. I get it. Sometimes you'll be obstructed. But you have a better chance of getting the call right, and isn't that what we want? Yes. Okay. Good one. Now, mine comes with a, a number. The number's 13. 
I'll explain the number in a second after I give you my grievance. My grievance actually has to do with coaching on fourth down. I am growing more and more irritated, I guess is the right word, mm -hmm. by coaches that won't go for it on fourth down. And, like, you can have your analytics and all that. Here's my story to a degree. Wednesday night, Texas Tech is taking on Ole Miss, right? Nine times in the first half. Nine in the first half alone. Ole Miss and Texas Tech went for it on fourth down. And I'm telling you, the intensity and the pressure and the excitement of them both consistently choosing to go for it on fourth down was unbelievable. Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, head coach Ole Miss, went for it on fourth and one from his own 26-yard line in Beautiful. the first half. In the first half. I think they were up 7 nothing, or 7-7. So, seven seven. so they were honoring Mike Leach all night long, really. Seemingly. Yeah. So they ended up going for fourth down 13 times. 13 times combined. Nine of them in the first half. The most all year was Tulsa versus UCF, which Gus Malzahn accounted for a number of those. 13 times. It's not going to hurt you coaches to go for it on fourth down. I get it. I understand what's at stake and all that. However, you could go for it a little bit more on fourth down. Yeah. It's a little bit more. But I'm telling you, the excitement when a team goes for it on fourth down, I mean, I think about it. I hear it in your voice when you're making a call. There's that much more at stake sure. when you're going for it on fourth down. But I also get, look, I've been around here, and so have you, for a lot of 16-10, 12 I, Yeah, 10, I understand. I understand. You know, that kind of went 10 to 6. Yeah. You know, some, some of these scores, and you know exactly what games I'm talking about yes. when I say those scores. Absolutely. Where pinning them deep is valuable. Where your defense is playing well. Where your offense might not be that good, and a yard is easier said than done sometimes Understood. so i understand why a lot of nfl coaches don't do it they're not as footloose and fancy free with it but on the plus side i hear you especially when you have like a bit of momentum right and you know look, Dick. are you confident in your fourth and one plays and your third and one fourth and one you know your short plays i don't want to hear you tell me you don't have a plan fourth and one that's yeah. what i don't want to hear you ever heard that never mind never mind yeah never mind I've okay heard i've heard it that's once. mine I have a grievance with coaches. I need them to go for it on fourth down a little bit. Okay, more. I have right. another grievance here okay. as we're airing the grievances in football and beyond, maybe. How about this? Dress everybody. Oh, 53 man roster. Yes. You get the two standard elevations. You get to 55, but you don't because you have to deactivate. Listen, dress everybody. Come on. Can we just do this, please? And you've relaxed the IR rules, yes. which is a great start. Over the years, it's evolved, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I remember, I think 2015 was the first time we could, like, bring guys back. And Ryan Griffin was one of the guys the Texans were bringing back. I remember this because we had him at a Verizon show when things were not going well. Two and five Texans, and we were doing a Verizon show. And this is back in the day where we had that 8 to 9 a.m. spot. It was very yeah, awkward yeah, yeah. in the middle of the morning show. Yeah. And Nick Wright and Lopez were doing the morning. And I just felt... I felt kind of awful for having to sort of interrupt their show with this interview for a team that was two and five in that sense, because things weren't going well for the Texans at all. Yeah. And literally, I remember them or Nick really saying, everybody's going to get fired. And I thought things are bleak. You're two yeah. and five. You're supposed to be a lot better. We had Ryan Griffin on. It was a great show, actually. Yep. Great show. And I felt kind of, you know, I felt kind of bad going in, but I felt good about that hour. 
And I thought, Griffin's going to come back this year. And he did come back yep. in 2015. And guess what? The Texans came back, too, because they ultimately won the division. But I say dress all 53. Yeah. Give yourself a couple of standard elevations. Keep the practice squad rules the way they are. That's fine. I like that, having veteran availability on practice squad capability there because that is good for everyone. It's good for everyone's careers, no matter what side of the fence you're on. And maybe IR should be even more relaxed. I don't know. But a good start would be all 53 active. Okay. That's brilliant. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna channel Dre a little bit with this one. Okay. And you're gonna understand when I say this. Mm-hmm. Every time that there is a touchback, the ball needs to go to either the 20 or the 25. Pick one, but mm-hmm. that's where it goes on every touchback. A punt touchback goes to the 20, a kickoff touchback goes to the 25. Pick a number, and that's your touchback yard line. In both in both college and the NFL, I got another one on college in just a second. But put the ball to twenty five every time it's a touchback, or put the ball to twenty every time it's a touchback. But don't mix and match. I don't need twenties for punts and twenty fives for kickoffs. Put it at one yard line. So when we say the words touchback, everybody knows that's the twenty five yard line. Yeah, or that's the twenty. One or the other. Don't mix and match. You're definitely channeling Dre with that. Yeah. Okay, I like that. We're airing the grievances And you know where that comes from? Because I hear when the ball goes in the end zone and you say touchback, in my mind, I automatically go now 25. But then Mm. when a punt goes in there and I hear touchback, like, oh, 20. Oh, no, it's a punt. No, take the thinking out. Ball goes in the end zone. It's at the 25. All right. And leave it there. Obviously, I'm an NFL guy now. I used to be a college guy years ago. Why do they have this fair catch thing of the kickoff? That was my other one, yeah. That is just so awful to me, all right? You have to return a kick. You can't fair catch a kickoff at the eight-yard line. I'll give you another one along these lines. In the NFL, you got to cover up that ball. You cannot let a ball bounce in the end zone. That used to be a live ball. You had to figure out a way to either cover it up in the end zone to get your touchback you cannot just leave a live ball or the ball sitting there right. in the middle of the end zone. You got something with it. You got to do something with right. it. You can fall on it or you can bring it out or whatever. And I know we have fewer returns than before, but it's weird. I think if you went back to the 20 now for touchbacks, it would be interesting because nobody would want to kick it short because no. you're not going to uh-uh. risk that. No. You're not going to risk that. Now, when you kick it to the two and they return it to the 22, it's a win, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. I'm minus three on the net right. of a touchback. Right. You're not going to take – you'll take the 20 every time. I think if they put it back to the 20, I think everybody would be kicking into the end zone. But then the question becomes, are they bringing it out or not? Does your guy get it deep enough to force the touchback or not? But I got a feeling, Johnny, if you went back to the 20, you'd have fewer returns, which is why they made the rule in the first place right. for safety reasons. Right, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go with one on the field. Okay. One of, and I played the position. I wasn't great at it, but I played the position. I played. I was a defensive back when I was in college. If I have one, one absolute twist-my-nerve grievance, mm. it's with the defensive back Here we go. that is beat deep or beat on a route, and the ball is dropped, it's overthrown, <laughs> it's not complete, and the defensive back gives the incomplete sign yeah. and has to pose in front of the wide receiver – when he was actually beat down yeah, the field yeah, or yeah. beat on his route, if you get beat, 
You got lucky. And you did nothing. And you did nothing. You yeah. didn't interrupt that throw. And you're, you're three yards away, mm-hmm. and you're giving everybody the incomplete sign. No. No. Stop. That's like the down three scores celebrated a first down. Okay. <laughs> I don't need, yeah, I don't need you celebrating yeah. touchdowns or first downs if you're down by three touchdowns. Like, yeah. no. You hand the ball to the ref. That's your penalty for being behind. You scored great, or you got a it's, first down great. Stop. But people want to do their touchdown celebrations. You're down four I, scores. You score a touchdown. Can, and they're staging act two of death of a salesman <laughs> in the end zone. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I, you're down three scores. I, Get I, over it. Oh, the defensive backs are the worst, though. They're the ones that constantly have got some sort of celebration. They're putting seatbelts and clamping on guys or whatever they're doing, or it's just incomplete. Bro, you weren't even close. You can't lay claim to that. You cannot lay claim to doing anything for that incompletion, and yet you're going to sell. No. little small high five to your guy going by the safety that was there, too. Okay, that's cool. But if you weren't part of breaking up that pass, you're done. Like, just get off the field. You can clap because it's incomplete. Get off the field. Just get off the field. All right. I've got another grievance to air as we air the grievances. Targeting in college. Okay. All right. So there needs to be something between no punishment and capital punishment. Okay. There has to be a misdemeanor or something different because I see, all right, he grazed the helmet with his helmet, but I don't think, see, targeting to me should mean you're trying to take him out of the game and just take his head off. And it was obvious. Right. But too often it gets called when, yeah, their helmets happen to hit, but I don't think the kid meant to do them harm. Right. You know, it was one of those bang, bang, and it, oh, my gosh, you know. And it, old timers, like we had Pastorini and Warren yeah. Moon on the other oh day, God. and they must be like, oh, my gosh, I was getting, Ugh. especially Pastorini. You know, I was in he a game where three quarterbacks died and nobody got flagged. I mean, what? it's it's so different now. And that's the NFL back then, whatever. But my point is this. You need, okay, helmet-to-helmet penalty, 15 yards. Kid doesn't get thrown out of the game. Maybe he sits out of play. I don't know. He shouldn't have to sit out the rest of the game when it's sort of incidental helmet-to-helmet, not like, you know, very, very intentional. So you need to have something in between targeting and not targeting to me. I mentioned that the other night on the game. The Ole Miss, if you went to the Ole Miss-Texas Tech game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There were 13 attempts on fourth down to go for it. There were at least four targeting reviews. Uh, Ole Miss lost two guys. Yeah, They had two other reviews. Um, And the thing was, and and I said this on the broadcast, it was so obvious that those those were targeting. When they got thrown out, the Ole Miss fans booed. I'm like, what are y'all booing for? There's no reason to boo. I mean, you you can't look at that and see that as a definition of, of targeting. And they looked at two others and said, no, those weren't. But they had four targeting reviews dur- during the game, which leads me to probably but, but, my final along, along those lines, though, can we keep the reviews short? I'm, you I just mean, are you taking my grievance? Oh, sorry. Then there it is. We got to shorten the reviews. Got to shorten the reviews. We got to shorten the reviews. Here's, here's my proposal. So my proposal with targeting was if there is helmet-to-helmet contact, maybe incidental but you could tell the defensive player is trying to pull off, but there is, that's a 15-yard penalty. Yeah. If there is grievous, egregious striking, yeah, that's a that's a targeting, you're out of the game at that point, which is what happened to Derwin James the other night against the, um, I think it was the Colts. He blasted the running back out in the flat, and they threw him out for that. 
They threw him out for that hit. Now, he would have been out uh, anyways because he was uh, for a concussion. But reviews, I mean, especially in college, but I've seen this in the NFL too. When it's a big moment, that review can go four, five minutes, and they're trying to look at whatever angle Johnny, got. I'm watching an episode of the White Lotus while I they're know. reviewing the play. It's ridiculous. You need to have – you got – Play is under further review. Hit the stopwatch. You got 90 seconds. Make a decision. 90 seconds. Right. If you can't, in 90 seconds, you don't have the camera angle. Yep. You don't have this. You don't have that. 90 seconds, and it's over. That's when it, it it's like the coach comp system goes off in 15 seconds. Right. The replay in front of you goes off at 90 seconds. What do you know? I didn't see anything. Going with the call on the field. Done. Move on. I am all about 90 this. seconds. I'm all because if you're going to put the pressure on the kid who's in the secondary and people bodies are flying everywhere right. and the helmets happen to hit. Right. You know what? If you're going to put the pressure on those kids to pull off or, or adjust their path, their flight path into the ball carrier. Right. Then we'll put the pressure on you to make a quick decision. Here, yes. All right. And. More often than not, you're going to get 90% of them right anyway. How often do you look at the eighth part of the review and go, no, 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 no. Oh, there it is. I mean, yeah. you very rarely have that happen. Maybe I got the Super Bowl. Maybe the Super Bowl when there are 10 different cameras. Maybe. We talked about uh, stationary cameras for goal line and, yes. and sideline mm -hmm. in the NFL. You know, still photographers get some amazing. I think Absolutely. we talked about this on the air once. Zach, our team mm -hmm. photographer, like yep. that camera goes, and yep. it's taken that many, and he gets, it pulls a beautiful still out of there with like a billion pixels Absolutely. or whatever the quality is. Why can't you have that as well and fed immediately to the replay booth? I know that would be a little longer, but as but long do, as you're taking, you could probably get an angle like do that. Do it in 90 seconds. Get somebody that looks at the stills. Get somebody that looks yeah. at the video. You talk about it for 90 seconds. If you still can't figure it out with 90 seconds, that's it. Play stands. Play if stands, you can, right. It confirms, right. or you go with it. What's I mean, the worst thing that can happen? Because this is a league where the Saints got killed by the Rams in that no call. Yes, exactly. And then they changed the rule the next year, and that's my next grievance, by okay, the way. next grievance. Go. It's the, it's the airing of the football grievances. It's a football festivus. Here we go. I think that you should be able to throw the challenge flag on just about anything. And we can decide okay. what just about anything means. P.I. Okay. Holding. Oh, boy. Not a non-call, but a holding call, maybe. Okay. Like we, can we, can, we can debate holding, Johnny. Gotcha. But I want the flag available, the opportunity to throw a, a challenge flag available on almost everything. I'll give you one because, for sure. Because, look, you only get two or three per game. Already, we're reviewing automatically turnovers and scoring plays. Right. Right. Now, if you think you got in and they don't rule you in, okay, now you got to throw a flag, right? But you almost never run out of challenges. It rarely happens because you have automatic reviews on turnovers and scoring plays. Let me take you so, back to one. So don't, I think the timeouts are what's valuable here more than the challenges themselves. Yep. Let me take you back to one that would absolutely needs to be reviewed. Okay. It's 21 7 in the wildcard playoff game. We have just stepped all over ourselves the entire game. Yeah. But we now have got something going that, oh, man, yeah, if yeah. we score, yeah. now they're within a score. You never know what could happen. 2018. You got the Sean Watson. 2018. Face mask. Sean Watson got face masked horribly. No, horribly. He, yeah. 70 something thousand people saw it. Everybody saw it except the two right. most important people didn't see it. 
You could have thrown a challenge flag right there. It would have been 15. I mean, it would have taken 30 seconds yep. to walk over and go, yep, we missed it, 15 yards. Keep that drive alive, and put who the, knows what happens. Put the timer on that, Absolutely. Too. Put the timer on it and make yes. the game better that way. Because Absolutely. Because that stinks. Because the stuff that they do call sometimes when you, you know, rough the quarterback, and I know, look, we could debate that all day long. Are they too soft or whatever? Yeah. I, I would almost be willing to go, if they're going to do this, in the grasp might might be a thing, yeah. you know? Oh, well, they would have gotten out of it. I don't know. Sorry, the quarterback can't get wrapped up. Can't If somebody wants to hug the quarterback and that be a sack, I don't know. I might be okay with that, but let's talk about that another time. I am totally with you on the no face call on the face mask. Yeah. You should be allowed to throw the flag. Quick look. Let's move on because they cannot look at that video board and throw the flag 30 seconds later. Yep. You have to give the officials an opportunity to get it right. There's too much technology available. There is too much technology. Mark, very well done. We can all whew, we can exhale because we've given the football festivist the airing of the football grievances right here on Texans All Access. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Johnny. When we get back, i got to do keys and predictions in the same segment with not a lot of time to do it. So let's go. That's next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this final segment of the first hour of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. We're going to get into our keys and our predictions next, but i got to talk to you about some of our biggest fans out there, and that are Dykins. These guys are doing great things in Houston. D-A-I-K-I-N is the world's number one indoor comfort provider. Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovation are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, DaikinLovesHouston.com. I love doing keys to the game. So let's rock. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, week 17. This team has gotten a lot better. When I put this, my Know Your Foe together, I realized they've gone up in every category. They're now sixth overall in the NFL in total offensive yards. Sixth. Trevor Lawrence has got that passing game up to 10th. So let's get to our keys. Number one, the new Trevor, part two. Last seven weeks, this guy has been phenomenal. 14 touchdowns, one interception. He has been awesome. you got to disrupt his rhythm. He's dealing with a toe issue. Hit him a couple times. See if Doug Peterson wants to live with him for the rest of the game. Number two, and new champion. Well, that means it's Trevor Etienne. Not really a new champion, but he's taken over as the lead guy in the running game as James Robinson was traded to the New York Jets. Now, this isn't great news for the Texans because in the game in Jacksonville, Travis Etienne was killing us, and then they took touches away from him. Didn't make sense. That got us back in the game. ETN couldn't get it back. Robinson didn't have it. But they have found something with ETN as the new lead back. Number three, red zone winners. Jaguars have scored double figures every single game this season except for one. You know who that was against? That's right, against the Texans. Texans only gave up two field goals. Derek Stingley had the pick in the end zone, and the Texans won in the red zone. That's got to be the case again today uh, on Sunday. They've got to win in the red zone. If they do and keep Trevor out of the end zone, they got a great shot to win this game. Defensively, for the Jaguars, this team is 19th in the league, giving up some yards against the run. We hurt them in Jacksonville with the run game. They're fourth in the league, uh, giving up passing yards. That seems a little low. But they're giving up 246.5 yards 
through the air. They're 26 in the league in total offense allowed. So the Texans have an opportunity. But what they've done is they've capitalized on turnovers. One of the reasons why is Foy A. Oluokun, number 23. That dude is as good a stack linebacker as there is in the league. we got to get a hat on him. Number two, Tyson Campbell at corner. He's growing up into one of the better corners in the league at 6'2", 6'3", 195. Long lean. We took advantage of him with Nico Collins last time. We don't have Nico. Now we got to do it some way, some shape, some form to attack Tyson Campbell. And I don't even know that I want to attack him. I think he's one of the top seven corners in the league. And we don't have Nico. So you might want to stay away from number 32. And then quarterback. Texas quarterback. What they're going to do, are they going to continue to rotate Davis and Jeff? If Davis gets hot early, ride it. Davis all the way. If not, well, then find ways where Jeff and Davis can rotate and find a rhythm. And then you go with the guy that's got the hot hand. All right. Those are your keys to the game. Now, let's get into our predictions straight up and against the spread this weekend. Let's start in Atlanta, where the Cardinals are taking on the Falcons. Atlanta's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Cardinals are starting David Blau. He'll play well, he'll do certain things well. Doesn't matter. Falcons are going to get a win at home. Desmond Ritter's going to get his first win as a starter, and they're going to cover the five and a half. 24-17, Falcons beat the Cardinals. Bears take it on the Lions. Detroit's a six-point favorite after getting throttled last week. The Bears haven't won in a while. Lions are going to win at home, but the Bears are going to get inside that six. Broncos Chiefs. This would have been a fun game if Russell Wilson were playing well, and he's not. So the Chiefs are going to cover that 12 and a half and win at home by a couple touchdowns. Dolphins go take on the Patriots. This is going to be a fun game. In New England, cold. Tua Tungavailoa not going to play dealing with the concussion. Teddy Bridgewater, T-Bridge, getting the opportunity. And I'm going with the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are going to get a little upset in the cold and beat the Patriots and get a playoff spot. Colts taking on the Giants. The Colts are a mess. Nick Foles has not got it. The Giants do. They'll get win number nine, and they'll cover the five and a half. Saints taking on the Eagles up in Philly. Not sure who's going to start for the Eagles. They're going to keep that under wraps. Saints are playing better football, but Eagles are going to win this thing at home. However, with a number at five and a half, I'm going to roll the dice that the Saints get inside that five and a half. They're playing better football, better defensively. Saints get inside the number, but the Eagles get the win. Game of the weekend, maybe. Panthers, Bucks. Bucks are a four point favorite at home. I'm going Panthers in an upset in Tampa Bay. That will obviously give them a cover. Browns, Commanders. Commanders are favored by two. Not quite a pick them. It's close enough. Commanders are going to win and beat Deshaun Watson. Move them to 6-10, and 10, which would be kind of nice. The 49ers taking on the Raiders. It used to be a Bay Area special. The Niners are going to hammer Jared Stidham and the Raiders. The Seahawks are playing at home, and they're going to upset the Jets, who are a one-and-a-half point favorite. Vikings taking on the Packers. Aaron Rodgers will get a key win at home and cover the three. Battle of L.A. Rams and Chargers. I'm going Chargers. And covering the six and a half. Steelers, Ravens. I'm going to go Steelers on the road, crazy as it sounds. And then Bills and Bengals. Wow, what a game this is going to be. Bills on the road at Cincy. And that, your keys, your predictions, done. We're on our two next right here on Texas All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time for the little Texans audio jukebox. Yeah, we've got, as Drew Dory likes to call them, cutlets. Some nice little uh, nuggets of one-on-one time with Drew in the locker room. 
Plus, we get to hear a scouting report from Nick Casario on these Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're going to start with Roy Lopez, who sat with Drew and talked about this one on Sunday. Hey, Roy, how much is different, how much is the same about this offense that you're seeing from Jacksonville? Oh, man, he's, you can tell, you know, Trevor's getting comfortable. He's uh, taking every advantage that he can throughout the game. He's grown up a lot across the board, their whole offense, you know. And they got Christian Kirk. So, I mean, that's that's a guy I grew up playing in, or, or watching and playing against in Arizona. So, and I've, scored, I've seen him score a lot of touchdowns in his time. So. What's that like when you see a guy that you have that sort of connection to doing well in the NFL? It's awesome, especially, you know, now Arizona gets a lot of love and, and, and attention at the high school level, but at the time they didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't show too much love and, 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 you know, give too much credit to Arizona high school football players. So it took Christian Kirk, it took Byron Murphy, it took Nikhil Harry, you know, it took myself, it took all these guys to make it and, and, and perform well to, you know, okay, let's look, you know, maybe we're missing something. So seeing all these guys get offers and, and blow up is, is, you know, it's pretty cool. One of the things they said earlier this week was, the last time we played, the Texans were more physical. This seems kind of like a silly question, but how important is that to be more physical when you're playing these guys? Yeah, you know, we got to take advantage of every opportunity we can, and that's something that, that's one of our backbones, you know, and, and being disciplined and, and, and being tough. So we got to take advantage of everything and, and look to capitalize on plays that we can. Royce played his best football, I think, since he's been with the Houston Texans. He has been phenomenal lately. Now, the offensive line for the Texans has played pretty well lately, and that means A.J. Can at guard playing his former team on Sunday. Here's A.J. with Drew. Divisional opponent, you played with these guys. What's it like seeing them the second time around now? Pretty sure they're going to they're gonna watch the film, they're gonna figure out what they didn't do well last time. You know, it's, like you said, it's a divisional game. We end up beating them, so I'm pretty sure, you know, they want to come out and they want some revenge. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be a hell of a game, fun game. Yeah, and a few of them this week have talked about how in the first meeting they said the Texans were more physical than we were. What's it like when you hear that? That's something you, you like to hear, of course, you know, that uh, we was able to, to display physicality. You know, that's what this, uh, this game is about. And uh, for, for them to know that and know how we, we play this game, I'm pretty sure they're going to be ready to go. That's why I know it's going to be a physical battle because we're going to come out physical, and I know they want to match that. It's going to be a tough physical game. When you look at their front seven, specifically on the interior, what impresses you most about what they're doing right now? As you say that, they are a different team. You know, uh, you can watch the, the film now and the couple past games they play. You know, you can tell they're more physical getting to the ball. They're more physical how they play against the offensive linemen. So that's something we got to be prepared for. You can tell, totally tell this is a different group, different defense, totally different team. Royce Freeman got some tough yards last week. What did you see, you know, when you guys look at the tape after the fact? What did you see from him? Like most of our running backs we got, man, I think uh, not just Damian, those guys are hard to tackle, hard to bring down. Royce adds more to that. You know, he's a big physical guy, and he's not going to go down on the first tackle. He's going to get those tough yards. That's what kind of back he is, big, strong back. How come you guys have only allowed one sack in the last four games? And that sack was kind of a, a you can put an asterisk almost by it because he was running out of bounds. Getting better, trusting in the process, knowing who we are and how we approach things, watching that film and seeing how guys like the rush. We put an emphasis on that, you know, uh, just trusting the process and doing what we got to do. We know what we're capable of and it's been working. And another part of that is being able to run the ball when, when we have to. So that helps with the protection and also throwing in those, those wrinkles in, in the offense that we use. You know, it keeps, keeps the defense off their toes. We're able to do that. We can, we can be able to run the, run the ball well and have success throwing the ball. How cool is that getting the game ball? It's pretty, it's pretty cool. First one here, man. It, you know, it felt good. You know, to be to be honored and mentioned in that way. That that lets those guys know they, re, they respect me a lot, man. I really really have got a lot. Of, I really appreciate that. Really do. When's the last one you got? I want to say probably like got injured last year, so I want to say maybe like two years ago. It's been a minute since I got one, man. It's 
Really, really thankful for it. Made it extra special, I'm guessing. Of course it did. <laughs> oh, it certainly is, Drew Doherty. And it's going to be a special one for Scott Quesenberry as well because, well, he gets to play next to A.J. Can. The offensive line's been playing well. It's a big challenge, though, against these Jaguars. Here's Scotty Q with Drew D. You guys have given up one sack in the last four games combined. How else are you all making that happen? Just communication, and, you know, we're really playing for each other and, you know, playing, playing for something bigger than ourselves. And like I said, we've done a good job communicating at the line of scrimmage just overall just being able to have a couple good teams come in and only, like you said, give up one sack. Obviously, we gave up the one that Jeff ran out of bounds, but ticky-tacky, right? The last one last week might have been a little ticky-tacky, too. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just playing for each other and playing for something bigger, I think, and kind of showing people who we can be, I think, is, is part of it. How important is the need to be physical? I mean, it seems kind of like a silly question when you're playing the game of football, but the Jaguars this week have said, in the, the first game we played them, they were more physical than we were. How important is that for you guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something that you have to do. you got to set the tone, just like they're saying. They want to come out and set the tone as well. They're a good team. They're playing really good football. They're a good front. they got players at every level, and then their offense is doing a great job putting points on the board. So last couple weeks we've kind of been preaching our defense is going to stop them. Our defense has been playing well, and if we can run with them, you know, we're going to be right there at the end of the game, just like we were against Dallas, just like we were against Kansas City, and just like we were last week against Tennessee. And I think, you know, you're seeing that we're kind of starting to play our best ball. Obviously, it's a little too late, but which sucks. But, you know, like I said, we're just playing for each other now, and there's a lot of tight-knit guys in the locker room. Love you talked about who got the game balls. He said on offense, A.J. Can got it. What would you think of him getting, and how cool is that for you to see yeah, that? absolutely. I mean, LT played a great game, too. I mean, overall, across the board, up front, I think we did a good job. It was cold, and, you know, obviously running the ball in those conditions can be tough sometimes. But, like you said, the only the one sack and, you know, no real mental errors in our room, uh, which was really good to uh, see. And I think for A.J. to get that, you know, he's been deserving. He's been playing good all year. Yeah, A.J. Can get the game ball last week against the Tennessee Titans, he has been playing some good ball, been solid at right guard this year for the Texans. Now, a guy that has been solid all season long, whether he's inside, whether he's outside, doesn't matter what position he's playing, Desmond King has been playing his guts out. And, of course, Drew Doherty caught up with Desmond. Drew with Desmond, a little alliteration for you on a Friday night. Just talking about their offense and that receiving core, what stands out to you that maybe separates them or makes them sort of unique? Just watching film on them. I know we faced them. Early in the year, every team's going to get better, you know, as the season progresses. So, I mean, that's what we've been kind of seeing. Trevor Lawrence kind of doing what he does, just getting his rhythm going. And they're, they're clicking on all cylinders right now, especially with their receivers. They all making plays, each and last, each and last uh, one of them. And the running back has been playing well, too. You know, it's been interesting hearing what they say this week to the media. They've said, hey, the Texans were much more physical than we were that first time around. This is sort of an obvious question, but how important is that, you know, in every game you play? I mean, that's every game. That's uh, I feel like that's what we kind of created our identity as, as this defense that want to be physical and just make plays. I mean, I think that's that brings joy to us on the defensive side, is, you know, just go out there, play physical, and do our job. You guys have eight or nine takeaways over the last month or so. Is it a matter of happenstance? Is it a matter of what you guys are doing differently? What's what's the difference? It's what we're told, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we talked to Lovey. Lovey talked to us each and every day about it. It's getting takeaways. Like When we come in at halftime, that's one of our adjustments. Get the ball. You know, we got to get the ball more, even more. Even though that we're getting them, we got to get more. So now we got to turn those into points on the defensive side, and that's going to take us to that next level. Got any New Year's resolutions? Can't tell you those. No. Secrets, huh? Yeah, yeah. I do have some, and you know, I, I can tell you this: they only going to make me a better person and a player.
That's the whole goal of them, right? Yes, sir. Now, this wasn't meant to be some sort of rookie hazing thing. It just worked out that Christian Harris is our last Texans audio jukebox button. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. CH48. See what you got with Double D. Hey, Christian, tell me about the challenge that Etienne represents for you guys. He's a great running back. Great speed, great vision. He can extend plays. He can, he can do it all, really. So, I mean, you just got to make sure you're coming, you know, ready on, standing on all 10 toes. He's ready for it. How about Trevor Lawrence? What have you seen from him? They're playing really well over the last six or seven games. Same thing. I mean, really, it's like they're all just executing what they're supposed to be doing. I think they're playing at a very high level. Uh, Trevor's making some, some really great throws and, you know, definitely extending plays. And like I said, they're presenting great challenges for us, so we just got to make sure we're ready for them. What do you think this defense as a whole is doing a lot better over the last month? Just trying to improve on, like, going play-by-play, play, trying to be more consistent on just doing your job. You kind of get antsy or, you know, some plays not coming your way, you want to try and make one, but, you know, it might cost the defense a little bit sometimes. So just trying to make sure we're all staying focused on, you know, one play at a time and letting plays come to you. Is there one thing in particular that stands out to you that you look at and you think, hey, I've gotten better at this since I started back in October? I would just say mentally, like, the game is slowing down, like, week to week. And so, I mean, that's just something I've kind of noticed each week. And uh, it's been helping with my confidence, just helping me get more comfortable. Being able to really just play my game out there instead of having to think too much. So just trying to get to that point still week to week. Got any New Year's resolutions? Uh, just win. <laughs> win, that's it. That is it, big man. Just win. Just go get it done against Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars did not see Christian Harris last time, and they're going to see a linebacker that is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, the Jaguars drafted two rookies in Christian, uh, Christian Lloyd. Devin Lloyd and uh, Chad Muma, and those guys have played well, especially Muma. Muma's my guy in the draft process. He's played pretty well, and he and Lloyd are actually rotating a little bit more. But they're going to see Christian Harris, who's been as good as anybody at that position uh, that I've seen on the field in the last five, six weeks. So looking forward to that. Now, the last Texans audio jukebox is labeled NC as a Nick Casario. Each week he gives me and Mark the scouting report on the opponent. Well, it's been 12 weeks since we faced the Jacksonville Jaguars. How, Nick Casario, have the Jaguars changed? Yeah, I mean, they're a good football team. They're leading the division right now as it currently stands. So even going back to when we played them week five or six or whenever yep. it was, we talked. They were certainly an improved football team when you look at the composition of the team, some of the players that they've added. And then over the last seven games, they're five and two. So they've played as well as any team here over the last however many weeks it's been, like you yep. mentioned, John. Um, offensively, um, Trevor's definitely uh, played played much better, uh, much more consistent. He's taken care of the football. Um, they've done some things offensively to kind of play to his strengths, and they've gotten good production from their skill players. Um, you know, Zay Jones, Kirk, and, and Ingram. Uh, I think they have each of them have over sixty receptions and six hundred yards. It's you know, like the only duo or tri uh, trio in the league to to have that. So. Mm. They've good skill players. They've played well. Trevor's done a good job making good decisions. The ball's getting out of his hand pretty quickly. I'm going to say like 2.5 seconds or less. So the ball's out, making quick decisions. Um, Doug, Mike McCoy, and Press have done a good job of kind of building some things. And then they've gotten really uh, more production out of ETN since they yeah. traded Robinson. So essentially they've traded Robinson, and ETN has assumed a more full-time role. They're really an 11 personnel team, so they got three receivers on the field. And then Ingram, he's a tight end, but he's really a receiver. So at any time they got – four receivers on the field with a good running back. So they're, they're fast, they're athletic, and the offensive line, for the most part, has kind of been in place. Um, Robinson's out, and that's probably the biggest change with Walker Little having to go in there at left tackle. But they've been pretty consistent across the front. So um, offensively, they play, they've played really well, pretty balanced. Trevor's done a good job of taking a ball. 
Um, and then defensively, they're kind of middle of the road statistically, but they've played well kind of when it matters. Um, and they've had a number of players that have played well. Olakon has played as well as any linebacker in the league. I think he leads a league in tackles or is in the top two or three. Um, so he's been really, really productive, very instinctive. Not a lot of uh, people talk about him, but he's as good a linebacker as in the league. Lloyd's done a good job and actually have incorporated Muma in there a little bit as well. So it's kind of three for two at linebacker. Olakon's in there, but then they're kind of Lloyd to Muma. And then they've gotten good production on the edge. Josh Allen's a really good football player. Trayvon, you know, has been a good player. Um, and then probably one of the guys that's been one of their better players just got hurt there last week, Smoot, tearing yeah. his Achilles. Um, so they've been good on the edge. And then inside, they've gotten good production from Hamilton, from Fadakasi. Um, and in the secondary, uh, Campbell is really emerging, I'd say, is one of the best corners in the league. Does a lot of things well. He's long. He's fast. He's a good coverage player. He tackles. And then Jenkins has done a great job of causing a lot of disruptive mm -hmm. plays, create a number of different turnovers at the end of the game there against Dallas with the interception for a touchdown. So they've played, I would say, better. But on the whole, <laughs> they've just won more games. It's the same team with a lot of the same players, but they've just been able to finish games here a little bit, and that's why they're 5-2 and two over the last seven games. Playing really good football down in Duval County, but they got to come to Harris County, baby, on Sunday. And, We'll see if the Texans can keep the streak going or if the Jaguars can end the nine-game winning streak of the Texans over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of Jaguars, one of our good friends works for them and knows them better than anybody else. That's J.P. Shadrick. Let's go behind enemy sidelines next with D.P. Sidhu right here on Texans All Access. It's time to go behind enemy sidelines with D.P. Sidhu. This week, J.P. Shadrick. He knows the Jaguars inside and out. I know he's excited about winning five out of seven. Hopefully that stops on Sunday. But here's JP along with DP. DP, take it away. We're going behind enemy sidelines with Jag Jaguar Radio Network's JP Shatterick, who I get to chat with twice a year. It's never enough. JP, welcome in. It seems like an up and down season for the Jaguars, but what's the mood like in Duval right now? Well, first off, we chat more than twice a year, but just on the air <laughs> twice a year. But it's, uh, it's always good to talk with you on game week. Uh, the mood is... Very excited here in Jacksonville right now. Of course, the Jaguars were four games behind the first place Tennessee Titans at one point. They're in first place now. And it's unbelievable to think about the way Jaguars, uh, the, the Jags lost some games, including to the Texans earlier this year. Uh, they found a way. And number one reason why is the quarterbacks playing better football. There was a game week eight in London against Denver where he threw two interceptions one on a first and goal with the one inexplicable can't do it and after the game he said you know i i really have to take a, an introspective look at this and I, i'm beating our team right now and from that point forward he's now thrown 14 touchdowns with one interception and he's turned the whole thing around the defense is doing what it can you know they're giving up yards but they're taking the ball away some but uh, they've figured out how to win some of these games now that they were losing earlier in the year. And it's the steady leadership of Doug Peterson that I think has led the way in that regard. Yeah, you, you said it all. Trevor Lawrence, I think he's getting a lot of national attention and the conversation around him has changed quite a bit. Maybe part of that comes from beating the Cowboys and just the win streak that the Jags have been on recently. But for you, who covers the team every single day, when did you start to see him make that turn around? You mentioned that the interception against the Broncos, but the, the the level that he's playing at now, did you sort of see that that was in the works or that was coming this year? 
Well, I mean, there were still, even when they were losing some of the games, there was a couple fourth quarters where they got him, he got him in the end zone to score to take the lead. And the defense couldn't hold it, right? So there were moments you could see, okay, he's seeing things right. He's making the proper throw. But there's other moments that just weren't there. But it was that game. It was that London game. And there was no bye week after. They played right after against the Raiders and won that football game and then started to roll. And that's when it really started to turn. And and part of it, too, is the way they call games on offense. I mean, they use all kind of weapons. They went out in free agency, of course, in this offseason and got Evan Ingram, the tight end, on a one-year deal. They got Christian Kirk, paid through the nose for him. And then they got Zay Jones, of course, paid a lot of money for him. Well, all three of those guys are already past their career best yardage season. And there's two games to go. I mean, so they're using those guys different ways and they're, they're scheming them open. Last week, it was Evan Ingram in New York against the Jets because the plan was in the nasty rain and against the corners that the Jets have to not throw it against the corners in the rain. And it was Evan Ingram going back to New York. Yes, it was against the other team in New York, but he wanted to make a point. All that came together and it was his day. A couple of weeks ago, it was Zay Jones with a big day, three touchdowns. Um, and then another day, it's Christian Kirk. So there's really, every player has some level of ego. I get that, but it's not, you don't have divas on this team. So that goes along with the quarterback play too. You, when you have guys that are uh, evenly distributing the ball and, you know, what helping out the other guys, you know, there, there was an Evan Ingram catch Thursday where he caught it in the flat and, there's Zay Jones and Christian Kirk lead blocking for him on like a 20-yard catch and run. That's what it's about. This team has had that most of the year, but they're starting to get the results too. I think you touched on Doug Peterson because we've seen him get a lot of credit too. And it's these days, it's all about the younger coaches, the Sean McVays and the Mike McDaniel types. But when you look at a guy like Doug Peterson, the experience that he's brought to that offense, uh, you know, what is it about what he's able to do that's really helped Lawrence reach the next level? You mentioned sort of involving all the players. What's his style of coaching that really separates him from maybe some of the other coaches that are hot names out there right now? He's super detail-oriented on matchups. So he can find the weak spot of the opponent and figure out ways to exploit that. And, you know, this is not a really an explosive offense this is not the Miami Dolphins where they're running for 80 yard touchdowns catching it 10 yards down the field and breaking away that's not this group and they're not throwing deep bombs down the field either so they've got to find a way a lot of times to pick their way down the field and you know what lining up Evan Ingram outside is a way sometimes to do that it might open up something else for Christian Kirk against a defender on the interior right so that kind of thing so but he's so detail oriented in that and then he's got Press Taylor with him as the offensive coordinator. Doug calls the plays on the sideline. And, you know, they've got Mike McCoy in the quarterback coaching room, former head coach, been at this for a while. And then Trevor is involved too. So those four together, crafting a, a plan against an opponent, that's a pretty good quartet, I think, putting this thing together. And it's just the detail. And he's... He's finding the strengths of Trevor Lawrence and the players around Trevor and utilizing those and getting rid of the rest. There's no reason to try some things that you know you're not going to be able to execute if you don't have the personnel to go do it. So this is what they have, and they're calling it very, very well this year. All right, the last time you and I spoke, we were talking about James Robinson and Travis Etienne in the backfield. They've since traded Robinson. So 
How has the run game evolved now that ETN is the guy? Well, I also dropped a... him from my fantasy lineup after that, FYI. Wow. Um, he's got a thousand yards. So it's gone pretty well. He's fumbling the ball a little bit. That's an issue. He's, you know, I don't know. He's just, he, it's not the smoothest looking running style, but it's effective. And until he fumbles the ball at the end, right? So that he's got some issues with that. So he's working on holding the ball a little bit better, but he's a, a good, hardworking player. And he'll work, he'll figure that part out, I think. But ETN's going to be around here for a long time. And he's got that little explosion to him, a burst that James Robinson just didn't have. And that ship has sailed. We haven't heard that name in a long time, by the way, because Robinson was Probably in the last time we spoke. <laughs> yeah, well, he was inactive Thursday night. He, he's not getting to that 600-yard level because right. the Jaguars would get a fifth-round pick instead of a sixth-round pick, so the Jets don't <laughs> want to give that up. That's why he's not trying to get to 600 yards this year. But we haven't heard that name in a while because ETN's playing so well. And, and mm -hmm. let's be honest. And he has a little bit in the passing game, too, to go with that if he needs to in the flat. So they use a, a lot of that short passes outside that act as runs sometimes and get him into space. And, and here we go. So um, he's been good. He's been really good. And a lot of that's the offensive line, too. They've had some injuries, but um, they're they're fighting through. And they've had a really good season, I think, up front as a whole. And uh, ETN is learned as the season has gone on a little better how to run inside behind those guys he would instinctually just bounce it outside and look for the big run that's always been a style even in college but he's he's um i think he's grown into that uh, running between the tackle thing well what about the tackle situation i mean it's, it's a pretty healthy jaguars team overall but i saw that they placed two two players on on ir this week one of them being left tackle cam robinson you know how does that affect what they're able to do up front yeah, those are big because Robinson was really good in the running game. And, you know, obviously it signed an ex extension. He's here for a long time to come anyway. H had just that attitude about him that they liked in the run game. And then uh, Juwan Taylor's at right tackle, and he's been kind of some nagging injury things as the season's gone along, but it's a contract year for him. So he's playing pretty well and proving it. He beat out Walker Little in training camp. Juwan Taylor did. So Walker Little from Houston, by the way, um, is has been a swing tackle backup guy all year well now he's going to start at left tackle the rest of the way and hey second round pick second year in the league he should be able to go play he played okay last week against the jets and in, in both the pass game uh, and the run game tony baselli on a show monday earlier this week in jacksonville it's ideal to have a hall of fame left tackle to talk about the left tackle position said that, you know, everything's there. He's got the size, the move, you know, he can move, pass blocking, you know, run blocking, solid. But he still wants to see, and maybe it's just not enough time on task to see if, as he put it, does Walker Little have dog in him? Does he want to go kill the guy across from him? And we just haven't seen him play enough. So he hasn't really been out there. He hasn't a chance yet. So this is his chance. And I think so far so good a game into it. And he had to play about a half two weeks ago because of injuries. So we'll see. That's the tackle situation. The interior has been okay. You know, rookie center, veteran left guard and Shatley. Um, and of course, a sheriff at right guard is a multi-time pro bowler and is a, a good salty vet. So it's a good collective group. All right. I haven't asked you about the defense at all. So let me get a defensive question for you because the, over the past few games, they've, they've forced a few takeaways, but, over the course of the season, how have you really seen this Jags defense evolve? Well, early in the season, it was a lot of takeaways. They were 
They were getting home to the quarterback. They were getting their hands on the football. I dried up during that stretch. And, um, you know, there were some situational issues for them late in games. Couldn't hold a fourth quarter lead sometimes. They'd give it up and couldn't get the ball. You know, there, there was a, a stretch there where they weren't taking the ball away. And then they've had some issues in the secondary this year, right? I mean, Shaq Griffin was not playing well and then was hurt and has not been back and probably won't be back with the Jaguars at corner. So that's left some vacancy at the at the outside at corner. They've had to move some people around. They tried Herndon out there, Trey Herndon. They've now moved Herndon back inside and put Darius Williams outside. That's done pretty well lately. Uh, Tyson Campbell's been good, good, solid player at corner. The safety play has been actually really good this year. Rayshon Jenkins is playing out of his mind this season, capped off by the Dallas game where he had 18 tackles and two interceptions in the game winner in the pick six. So, and then Cisco has been playing pretty well. So that's fine. Linebacker play, Boye Lewican, yeah, good player. He's leading the league in tackles. So that's fine. He gets everybody lined up. Uh, Devin Lloyd's been up and down. First round pick linebacker out of Utah. Um, sometimes kind of wanders and, and is not really sure where to go, where to start. That's getting better as the season goes along. Chad Muma was starting over him a couple of weeks ago. He was a third round pick this year, also a rookie. So they're kind of alternating, switching out at linebacker. And then Trayvon Walker has been a good player. He uh, he was an out, has been an outside linebacker uh, to start his career, but he wasn't truly that at Georgia, the number one pick this year, and has not produced the numbers that you might expect from that position. So they're starting to move him around some too. And with Dewan Smoot, as you mentioned out now, that changes a lot on the defensive line. You might see Walker maybe inside a little more. They've tried that recently, and it's worked pretty well. They've got Arden Key on the outside still, who's a, a veteran pass rusher as well. And then Josh Allen trying to get it going again late in the season. So they've got players. They've got names. They've got a little time to try to get it right at the end of the season. They're getting their hands on the football again. They haven't consistently got the quarterback, though, and that, that affects most everything. If they can do that down the stretch here and hopefully into the playoffs, then um, that could be a, a nice calling card for this group. All right, JP, appreciate the time. Thanks so much, as always, my friend. You're the best, DP. Thank you. Great stuff there from JP Shatter. Girl, let's close the show down. Talking with Lovey Smith. We started with Lovey. Let's end it with Lovey. Lovey sat down with Mark and I and talked about last week's win over Tennessee and previewed this one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's next on Texans All Access. We have one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and we got to close it down, and we're going to do that with a little Lovey Smith and then Drew Doherty's final word with John Grenard. Let's hear from Lovey with Mark and I. Joining us now on Texans Radio, it's head coach Lovey Smith. Coach, great to see you. Congratulations on the victory. I know it's a week where you're trying to get ready for two in a row facing the Jaguars on Sunday. Let's wrap up the game on Saturday, though. You've been so good throughout these last few games during the course of three quarters, maybe three and a half. This time in the fourth quarter, crunch time, you came through with the big plays when you needed them most. What was the difference there? Well, I don't know exactly what the difference uh, was in that game, but I know the guys have – we've seen improvement throughout. And if you keep doing things uh, the right way, Mark, eventually you have to get over the hump. There's an awful lot going. We're a warm-weather team going up north in the mm-hmm. cold and you would expect it to affect us a certain way but I did that's what I noticed we got stronger and it came right down first off 
we had to make a special play in the special teams. You know, we pinned them down there special team-wise. Defense had to stop them there last drive. Of course, offense had to drive the length of the field and score. So we we finished the right way, and uh, if you keep going, normally those things happen. Coach, dealing with adversity, it's been obviously something that this team has dealt with this year. You have to have this hour delay. How did it impact the team? Because I know we were, you know, you and I chatted for a little bit, and we were in the interview room next to you. It didn't feel like it had the impact that some teams, it felt like you guys were loose, they were ready to go. It didn't matter whether you played at 1 o'clock, 5 o'clock, or 9 o'clock. It felt like they were going to be ready to go, but how did everybody kind of make it through that one-hour delay? Well, I think, John, it was just that. I mean, you get hyped up, and we're on a schedule mm -hmm. every minute on what you're supposed to do every second. So we once we found out that the game would be delayed, we let the players know that, guys, we're going to play the game eventually. So right now you have an extra hour. So we'll come back in an hour, get back on the routine. Right now you got a little bit more extra time to relax and just do, concentrate on the game, mental reps, all those things you need to do to get ready for the football game. That's what the players did. I think I, I know I took a little bit of a nap. Some of the guys <laughs> did that and um, got ready to go. Coach, wait, we have to address this right now. Are you actually able to shut it down when you have an extra hour like that? The adrenaline flowing, you can actually kind of relax and fall asleep? Yeah, I, I think there's some of us can kind of uh, take a nap on command. I've yeah. always been able to do that. Uh, so when I say that, that's... Really what, you know, you go back, get into your own world, listen to a little bit of music, and um, before you know it, you take a little little nap and you feel even more refreshed. Like a little five-minute reboot kind of thing? A little reboot. I yep. mean, it's not like we're going to sleep and, hey, did I yeah. miss the game? You know, it's just a, just a little bit of a, a, root, a, a reboot uh, because you have to, you know, that time you have, you have to do something with it. Coach, we, I talked to you about this right after the game. And I mentioned that Derrick Henry did have 126 yards, but he had 48 of that under one run in the first quarter. After that, I think he was held to maybe 70 yards on about 20 carries after he had that touchdown run. Tackling's a big deal. You guys tackled much better. But beyond that, what went into slowing him down, and what and why was that different from the first time you saw him versus the second time you saw him? Well, I... First off, Derrick Henry is the best back in football. Yep. So he's gonna he's gonna break some tackles. Yep. All great ones break some tackles. But what you what our plan was, we gotta get we have eleven players that have an opportunity to tackle him every play. We need to get as many of our players to the ball as possible. We still miss some tackles against them throughout. Uh, but we had it's about that second, third, fourth guy yep. coming in there. So the gang tackling, pursuit to the football, all those things were big. Outstanding. Coach Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll, you still go with the two-quarterback system on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. Can you discuss this a little bit more? It's something we don't see in the NFL much, if at all. Uh, we were talking to John McClain. He was talking about Don Meredith back in the day, Tom Landry running it with the Cowboys a long time ago. This is unique, and it's working as you're efficient and you're getting close in the two games prior to this one, and you win this one against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, well, for me, just uh, putting on the defense coordinator's hat, I think it's tough. It's harder to prepare for two quarterbacks when they have a different skill set. You're doing different things with them. So if you just kind of start with that, and as far as uh, you know, playing two guys, a quarterback, all right, you go through, you're not going to play the game straight through. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe three and nine, you go 
and you take a few plays off, and then you come back in. So you have to be ready like that. So I don't think it's a big deal to the offensive guys. And eventually, on what you need to do, you can go in that direction at any time. And for us, yes, later on, we kind of went more exclusively with, with Davis. But at any time, Jeff could come back into the football game. So that's still in the back of your mind. I'm sure most defenses will have some checks when Davis is, is in the game, some checks when Jeff is in the game and with both. It's just all the different things that we're having, we're making defenses prepare for. Coach, you said something that made me think about this. And I don't want to say workshop or crowdsource it or anything, but if you come up with something and you're, you're looking at it on the board and you're like, man, I think this looks pretty good. Do you talk to the offensive staff and say, hey, uh, how would you guys handle this? How would you guys look at this? And does that work the other way around where they come to you and say, hey, uh, we're thinking about doing this. Well, how would you guys handle this to kind of workshop things between the two units? Constantly throughout. And uh, even with our practices, you know, like our offense is, is playing, you know, most of the practice is against what uh, the opponent's defense sure. will do and, and vice versa with, with our defense versus their offense. But we also have – we compete against just offense, defense. Right. Don't, you know, just ball, key, yep. reading keys and playing uh, through. So you learn a lot of things uh, that way. But, yes, we're constantly comparing notes on what hurts the defense, right. what, you know, talk with Pep, what hurts the offense, all those things. Coach, what about Davis Mills and the ability to bounce back from the third quarter and then play well in the fourth quarter? That final drive where he goes four for four and hits different receivers, can you discuss that for us? Well, it's just that there is, I mean, 60 or more minutes that we, you know, took game. So you have to be able to, even if you have a lot of success early on, take Tennessee Titans, they scored right away. Derrick Henry, big run. It's, it's what you do after that. You have to be able to go 60 minutes. It's going to be ups and downs. You mm -hmm. just have to persevere. I mean, that's the word. You got to persevere. You got to fight through adversity in every football game, and especially quarterbacks, because. You know, you got to give them credit. They're getting paid on the other side, too. They may make a couple plays. But in the end, after all of that, it's about how you finish. Yeah. No matter what's happened, it's how you finish. And we talked about all three phases having to do something pretty special at the end, and all three did. Coach, we were talking about Derrick Henry earlier, and one of the guys that came up and made some tackles was Jalen Petrie, and he, is, he has done that. And I know people, you know, they panic. They're like, oh, the front seven's not doing its job if safeties are making a tackle. But – in a lot of situations, the safety has a, a, a run-fit responsibility, and obviously Jalen's a good one at doing that. How have you seen him continue to grow since, as you told us uh, many weeks ago, that he did move back to free safety? Have you seen him grow in everything that he's doing on the field? First of all, John, on what you said, that's a misnomer when people say, well, it's the safety is doing that. That is right. not the case. Right. You use all 11 guys uh, in the fit. That's what most people in know football, you know, you have to do that. So the safety uh, is a part of that. And, and for Jalen, uh, also, I, I would want to play safety in this, de this defense, too, of the amount of opportunity. Yeah. You know, we, we grade everything. It's about the make to play. What's your percentage when you have an opportunity to make a play? The safety linebackers, they have probably more opportunities than anyone. So that's what's kind of neat. And Jalen had made all of them, but – he is making more than he did, than he isn't right now, and that's what we need to see. What's the coaching during a Hail Mary? Is it if you're in a crowd, knock it down? If you're alone, pick it off? What do you want to see most that's of all? That's something for us to kind of probably talk off okay. <laughs> um, a little bit. But we have a we have a plan. It's just not, hey, guys, you know what? 
ball going to stamp the ball, and all going to run down there and about the goal line. Yeah. Let's see who can jump the highest. It's not that. We it's a planned play with responsibility, just like every other one. We practice that at least once a week to go through end of the game situations that that come up. I know one thing that you work on more than anything else, Coach, and it really, it, it I saw it happen. But when I went back and I watched the game again, I realized you've been doing it the whole game, but it really came to fruition. Jake Hansen's strip came at the perfect time. I mean, it's arguably the biggest play of the game. But when I went back and watched the game, I noticed probably three or four different times that guys are ripping at the ball. Guys are taking care of the tackle, but then the other guy's ripping at the ball. And Jake was the one that ended up getting that thing out with a textbook strip. How many times during a game, if you... What's your, kind of your teaching point to your guys about stripping the football out? Is it get the tackle first, next guy come in, or are you always, always trying to rip that or punch it out? You're always trying to get the ball. Sometimes um, you can be a little bit more aggressive uh, in trying to strip the ball. You're the last wave of the fence. You just got to get him down yeah. in those situations. But as I see it, you know, if there's 70 plays. There are 70 most of the time, unless they just run a touchdown, there should be 70 opportunities. To, to, to get the ball out. And as much as anything, mm -hmm. you just want guys to start. We keep track of that every yeah. play. On We have a big play board. One other thing is strip attempts. Mm -hmm. And we like to have over 20 as a minimum each game. So that is something that you just have to keep harping on, just like you harp on a running back uh, with ball security. Yeah. Just like, you know, you harp on a, a uh, – wide receiver looking the ball in all these things are basic fundamentals that we see on playing defense you get bonus points for actually getting it out of there like get, like jake did that was a huge play no well that's you're expected to do that yeah you get graded down if there's an opportunity uh -huh. for you to do it and you don't do it i love talking about takeaways and things like stripping the ball out those kind of things would love it. it's always fun to bring that up with him now the guy who fell on that fumble was john grenard he did a little uh, Drew's final word with Drew Doherty. Yes, they played Jenga earlier, and that was some fantastic stuff. But now it's all ball with John Grenard right here. Take a listen. Jonathan, good to be with you. Texans coming off a victory, looking to make it two in a row for the first time this right. season. On the whole, what must happen to make that happen? Yeah, I think we just need to execute the same way we did last week. We played these guys before, once before, obviously, we beat them as well. But they're going to bring it this game. We know that they are, they're playing for a lot. Right now, they're obviously trying to fight for that playoff spot, so I think they're going to bring it as they will every time. Um, we just got to execute, and I think we should be successful. Been fun seeing you back out on the field. How sweet has it been? I know the wins haven't necessarily right. followed, but getting back out right. there and playing with your teammates, how sweet has it been for you? It's been great. I mean, whenever you get the game taken away from you, like like I did just off of, you know, just a simple play, it makes you cherish the game a lot more. So now to be back out there with the guys and, the, and my brothers that love this game so much and we've fought our tails off for, um, it's great. And I'm just thankful and I'm blessed that way we can be, give ourselves another opportunity to put good things on film. So overall, I'm excited. I'm just going to keep asking for the opportunities, and when I get them opportunities, try to make the best of them. And you picked up right where you left off. You were continually in the backfield last right. week. You get some tackles for loss, all that stuff. What do you have to do against the Jaguars? Because Trevor Lawrence is playing really, really good really football. Good. That team as a whole playing really good football. Right. But him specifically, what's the challenge there? Yeah, he just looks comfortable. I mean, overall, I think they have a good scheme that he's comfortable in and that maximizes all his uh, assets and his talents. Um, that he brings to the game. So I think overall, when you got a guy with that size and that ability and that maturity level, that's what you want to do. You want to make sure that he stays in rhythm and don't make him think too hard and make sure that he just um, makes the plays and makes the game comfortable for him and he can get in the flow a little bit um, and, and hats off to them. They're doing an amazing job over there. They're going to bring it. So, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to be really good, uh, coached up and keyed up, and it's going to be a good game. It was a good win the first time right. these two teams squared off, but there are so many differences on both sides of the ball. 
specifically with the Texans and the defense, you weren't in that game. Right, right, now right. you are. Christian Harris was not in oh, that yeah. game, and he's playing at a very high level. And Jalen Petrie's at the mm-hmm. free safety spot. Right. So difference is all about what's so much fun about it for you getting to be in the mix with that crew, playing these guys, after you didn't see them the first time. Right. I mean, those like you just mentioned, those guys are huge and crucial. I mean, Jalen played, obviously. I mean, we obviously missed Christian this uh, the past time, and obviously myself, I didn't play. But we still got the job done, and that just shows you like how the system is, and obviously we just continue to execute. And whenever the next guy's called up, you know, the talent drop-off can't can't be there. It has to be none. So I'm, I'm excited for him. He's playing really well. Obviously, obviously you've seen Christian get his pick last week, and that's very good for him. Obviously, I just I love to see rookies continue to just find their way and um, continue to make plays and have fun with it. So I think him and Petrie, I mean, you know, Singley, all those guys are going to be come back uh, just being healthy. And that whole class in general um, has a lot of time. Just to be back out there in the field, be around the facility, seeing these guys, makes you want to play more and do more for them because they're just so hungry want to get better. Tell me, what's the challenge, or the biggest challenge that Etienne represents there at the oh, running back spot? Speed. He is speed, and he's elusive, and his, he's playing good ball as well. I mean, he's finding his stride. I'm glad that he's healthy. I'm very explosive guy. Played him in college before. He's just a, a very explosive guy. Once he gets downhill, he can turn the Jets on and make you <laughs> just make you look slow. So, But we just got to make sure we get a hat on him, make sure we account for him, and I think we'll do a really good job of it uh, if we just make sure that we uh, hone in on the details and our game plan, and I think we should be successful. Happy New Year to you. You got any resolutions for 2023? Oh, no. I didn't think of him at right right, right then and there, but I'm just thankful to be here. I mean, I'm just yeah. glad to be able to be playing this game again. I don't care how many games it was for, but just to be able to be back out here with the guys, I'm thankful. So I think I just got my New Year's resolution already as me still being uh, playing ball in January. Good stuff. For well, sure. we can't wait to see you play some more. Yes, Best sir. of luck, Jonathan Grenard, this week, the rest of the season, mm-hmm. and on to 2023. And that's going to do it. A big thanks to Drew, to John Grenard, to Mark, to Lovey, to Nick. To all of our players in the Texans audio jukebox, to J.P. Shadrick, to D.P., all of you for listening. You guys have a happy new year, and we'll see you on January 1st, 2023, when hopefully the Texans will take down the Jags. See you then, and as always, go Texans.